Amen. So this morning we continue with our sermon series on the Gospel of Matthew, and we are in, if you remember, the Sermon on the Mount. Today, again, it's in the front of your bulletins, it's Matthew 5, starting at verse 17 through 20. Hopefully our words of assurance, where we kept hearing the word righteousness and law and the prophets and the rest of those words will make a little more sense as to why that was important for this. But let's go ahead and read it. It's Matthew 5, starting at verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your word, and we ask that you would gift us with your spirit So that in this place, as your people, we may hear, understand, and appreciate who it is you are calling us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, two Republicans walk into a room, diametrically opposed, foes, okay? And as they argue over a particular bit of policy, both Republicans in the room together, One Republican says to the other Republican, you rhino. Have you ever heard that word before, rhino? One Republican calling it before? You haven't heard it? Okay, it's an acronym actually, it's not the animal, it's it's the uh, acronym, Republican in name only, right? So R-I-N-O. Two Republicans are in a room and they're arguing and one accuses the other one of being a rhino. Republican in name only. What does that mean? What, what, is, what, is, what is the insult being said there? Maybe the best way to think about it is imagine a sliding scale, right? You have a 10, that's Republican. You go down that scale, down to a zero, and what's the zero? Democrat, right? <laughs> and you don't have to agree with that, right? Like if you're not in the room and you're not in a Republican, you might not think in those terms. But in that room with two Republicans, you've got that sliding scale in your head between a 10 as a Republican and what Democrats stand for, whatever it is, is a zero. And so when you say rhino, you're going, yeah, you're falling down the scale, right? You're getting closer to the thing you don't want to be. That sliding scale, picture that this morning. Because you may be going, what is he up to talking about Republicans this morning? Well, here's the thing. When we read this particular passage of, of Matthew, and Jesus says, I am not come to abolish the law and the prophets, um, I guess my first question is, who has accused Jesus of abolishing the law and the prophets so far? And the answer is, if you kind of scratch your head and go, well, it's nobody. Jesus is not talking to anybody yet who has brought him a challenge. He is addressing the room. In a sense, in in this analogy, Jesus is in the room. 
in the room with those Jews who lived at the time, and they also, in their heads, had a sliding scale. Here's the 10 of who you want to be. Here's the zero of who you don't want to be. And the assessment on it, the assessment of where you are on that scale, is probably something about their scriptures, right? We as Christians would get this, because we today have multiple versions of Christianity, right? And they all argue about the Bible and its authority and what's in it and how you interpret it and how you obey it. Not that different at this time. A sliding scale in the room, quote-unquote, the room of Judaism that Jesus is standing in. He doesn't have to wait for somebody to bring him his challenge. He knows somebody's going to accuse him of being a rhino or a Democrat in these terms. And what he goes is, I might come to become that thing that's at the bottom of the list, or at the end of that scale. I know it's coming, because this is the fight we always get into when we're in this conversation. And it has everything to do with how much you love, or have fidelity for, or give authority to, or obey, or whatever it is, the law and the prophets. Now, Jesus uses that phrasing, the law and the prophets, and it, it is particular, okay? Because remember, for, for Jewish people, they don't have an Old Testament. They have their scriptures. Right? We have an Old Testament. That's what we call it. But they have, the Old Test they have what we call the Old Testament. It's their scriptures. And the way they contemplate organizing the information in their scriptures is law, prophets, and writings. And it is a hierarchy, right? So the law is at the top of the list, then you go to the prophets, and then you go down to the writings. That is, in there, the way they contemplate thinking of their scriptures, there's the law, the prophets, and the writings, and which, which one's at the top, which one's the most important, and which one's the least. The law is not just the Ten Commandments, although we've been talking about the Ten Commandments, right? And Jesus is going to talk a lot more about the Ten Commandments in the Sermon on the Mount. But where the Ten Commandments are found is within what Jewish people would have called the first five books of the Bible, the Torah or the Law. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And of course, we find the Ten Commandments in there. But that's the Law. It's the most authoritative. Then you have the prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah and the other 12, quote-unquote, minor prophets. They're secondary of authority. And then you have everything else. You have the Psalms and the Proverbs and you have Ruth and Esther and Ecclesiastes and a whole bunch of other books. But when Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, he's in the room with the way they think about their scriptures and the way that they accuse each other around their interpretations and how much they obey and how much they love it. All the things that they argue about is on that sliding scale. Jesus is addressing it before anybody else says anything. And he says, I haven't come to abolish it. Why do you think Jesus feels the need to address this right from the beginning? My guess is, is because the way he's going to interpret those scriptures, he doesn't throw them away, he interprets them, is going to lead him, open him up to the same thing, the accusation. Well, that's not how you interpret that. That's not what real obedience looks like. You, how dare you? You're a rhino. You're a 
Democrat. And Jesus goes, no, I'm not. What he does do, and this is what gets really interesting. You have to read the whole thing. Look at verse 19. Now he turns around and he goes, here's what I am going to do. Sort of. He goes, therefore, whoever, called, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches the others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does these and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then he has this last line. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, think about it this way. That first sentence, he says, people who are on your sliding scale, who you think interpret the commandments wrong, and then tell other people to interpret the commandments wrong, and obey the commandments in your, in your sliding scale, they'd be down the list. What happens to them in the end? They're at least in the kingdom of heaven, right? He goes, yeah, they're at least. But where are they? They're in heaven, right? And he goes, hey, the people at the top of the, that, your sliding scale, who interpret the Bible correctly and uh, obey the commandments correctly, the law and the prophets, where do they end up? They're in heaven too. Sure, they're, they outrank them because they did a good job here on earth, but they're in heaven too. So Jesus is going, look at your sliding scale. You keep thinking this thing matters. Okay, sure, when you get to heaven, where you get to sit in heaven, but guess where you are? Heaven. And then Jesus turns it around and he goes, and this is kind of the big but here, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Aha. Now the question is, who gets in and who doesn't? This sliding scale ain't going to measure that because that sliding scale only tells you where you're going to end up in heaven. You've got to find a different tool. And the thing you've got to measure is righteousness. Think of it this way. Uh, in my car, I've got that little light uh, behind the steering wheel that is just permanently on now that says I have low tire pressure, right? The sensor broke, right? And I'm just not going to pay to get it fixed. But uh, when I figured, when that first came on and I went, oh no, I have low tire pressure and I pulled over to check my tire pressure, what did I use to check it? An air pump thing, like a, a gauge? Why didn't I use a yardstick? Well, why not? I could take a yardstick. I could measure each tire, right, from bottom to top, and whichever one's lower is the one with low tire pressure, right? Wouldn't that work? The wrong tool. It's the wrong tool. It might give me some information, but what if all four tires are low? And what if there's something else going on? And how much air am I supposed to put into it even if it is low, right? I use a tool that maybe tells you something but it is not the right tool if you want to deal with what you're dealing with. Jesus changes the tool. It is no longer the sliding scale. It's a measure of righteousness. Not your interpretation of the Bible and not how you live it out. Not how much you follow the commandments or you understand the commandments correctly. That is not it. That is going to measure where you end up in heaven. But whether or not you get to heaven is a measure of righteousness. 
and you don't measure it on this sliding scale. You learn something from that sliding scale, but you don't learn the most important thing. Now, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount for a couple weeks now. If you had to guess what the right tool is, what would it be? How do you measure righteousness? We started with the Beatitudes, which is what? It's a state of being inside you, right? Which Jesus builds on the Ten Commandments, which are all about behavior. So if you want to consider righteousness, if you're looking for the right tool, let's just start with those two things. It might be more, I don't know, but think of it as adding up two measurements. The status of your heart and the behavior you put out into the world. Okay? It, you could be a behavioralist and go, as long as I behave myself, it doesn't matter what's in my heart. Except then Jesus will go on and he'll tell you, the woman with the widow's might, right, goes to the temple and puts less money in the plate than anyone else. And yet Jesus says her righteousness is what? Greater. Why? Because everyone else gave out of their abundance. She gave out of her scarcity. So the condition of which it was harder for her to give is a measurement of inside. You can't just be a behavioralist because it isn't just who gives the most. But it also can't just be a condition of the heart because, well, you know which road is paved with good intentions, right? That's not a Bible verse, but it, <laughs> it, it, it fits pretty well. If you look just at the heart and go, well, I had good intentions, but it leads to a world where people are harmed or the kingdom of God is not reflected in the world, something's wrong there too, right? Jesus tells a parable called the Good Samaritan. And here come scribes and here come Pharisees and they are busy on their way to doing great things for God. They are right with God in their heart. And yet when they see the man in the road dying, naked, what do they do? They keep moving. And then who shows up? The Samaritan. On that sliding scale, he's a zero. He's the Democrat because he's a Samaritan. He interprets the Bible wrong. He follows the commandments wrong. That's who the Samaritans were. They too had the scriptures, but they interpreted them wrong and they lived by them wrong. He's a zero. But his heart shows up and his behavior follows it correctly. And get that? Somehow the measurement, the not ounces or pounds or little abbreviation behind it, but the, the abbreviation should be RT, righteousness. And it is an addition of what's in here and what's out there. What you do here and how you live out there. It's not about... The other sliding scale, you could learn something from that, how well you keep the commandments, but the real measurement has to come from inside and outside what it comes. What do you bear good fruit? Remember, Jesus is the guy who says you have to bear good fruit. Both matter. And you have to find the right tool. Now, I know that Jesus goes, okay, you could on this tool, you could be so low that you could end up not in heaven, right? I mean, that's sort of the scary little thought that we get gets shown up there. The idea that those are the ones who are out. Well, Jesus isn't done preaching. So 
Fear not. There's a Holy Spirit in all of our lives that is the one working on us towards sanctification, towards making us righteous. The point is not, you know, to be afraid that you're not going to heaven. It's just to make sure that you're looking at the right word. Law and the prophets matter. Righteousness matters on this scale. Your heart and your behavior. It's World Communion Sunday, and hopefully that is a good message for World Communion Sunday because like I said before, all over this planet, there are so many different kinds of Christians who all interpret the Bible differently and obey it differently and, and care about it in different kinds of ways and think about it differently. And yet red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight, right? So World Communion Sunday. And there will be always that question when we see people behave in the world, are they really Christian or not? And it's got to be a hard answer for us to answer, right? It has to remain a hard answer because we can evaluate behavior. Who gets to evaluate the heart? It's not us. This measurement of righteousness is between us and God and no one else gets to really see it, the whole measure. On World Communion Sunday, we need to hold on to that. What's the right measurement? It's not the sliding scale. And who's the only one who really can measure the right one? It's God. One more thought. This is kind of looking forward in the Sermon on the Mount and to Jesus' ministry after it. And I just want to point out one more thing. It's a little intriguing to me. Like I said at the beginning, nobody has yet come to Jesus to challenge him on anything. He's just beginning his first sermon. So when he says your righteousness has to exceed what? The Pharisees and the scribes. Who's taken the first shot? We know that there's going to be conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes. We know that they are going to get just as mad at him as two Republicans in a room talking about rhinos and Democrats with Jesus. And they're going to want to bring that fight to him. Who just took the first shot? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. God, may his spirit be in us and change us to make sure that we are evaluating ourselves and your world according to the way you measure it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's join together and sing our next song in Christ Alone. <laughs>